Ellis East Elementary School walkthrough, May 18th. Classroom 1B. This classroom is a structural mirror image of classroom 1A, with the south wall being the axis of symmetry. Unlike classroom 1A, classroom 1B has a low bookshelf under the chalkboard on the south wall and a higher bookshelf in the back northeastern corner of the room. The bulletin board on the western wall to the left of the door as I enter is lined with light purple paper that has faded but is still crisp and untorn. The bottom right corner has come unstapled. Audio Diary of Dr. Anna Georgina Plume, Assistant Professor of Architectural History, Hollingsworth University. June 13th, 7 a.m. Recorded in the reading chair at the end of the upstairs hallway by my bedroom. I've got a cup of Earl Grey tea. I'm in a comfortable robe in a comfortable chair. I need to put together a comprehensive to-do list before Billy's arrival at 2 p.m. today. 1. Wash the linens from the guest bedroom across the hall from my bedroom and make up the bed for Billy. 2. Leave clean towels for Billy in his guest room as well. 3. Clean the bathroom in the teacher's lounge. 4. Set aside some amusing reading material on Billy's bedside table. 5. Pick up pastries from the coffee shop. Check their tea selection and purchase a few fun blends for breakfast. 6. Get groceries. In addition to the usual items, stop at the floral department and get fresh flowers for the dresser in the guest room, the top of the piano, the formal living room, and the dining room. 7. Vacuum the guest bedroom, dust the furniture. 8. Check the dining room to see if it needs to be dusted. I haven't really eaten in there yet, so I'm not sure. 9. Look for a list of fun things to do in the area. Since Billy's stay is extended, we will likely need some entertainment. I think that's all. I gave the dogs a bath last night and vacuumed the rug in the upstairs hall. The school is largely clean. It's really too big for me to clutter up. Stray thought. Is the school too big for a Roomba? Maybe just the upstairs living area? Anyway, I've got a big day, so I'm going to get to it. Audio Diary of Dr. Anna Georgina Plume, June 13th, 10.15am. I just returned from picking up the pastries from the coffee shop. The barista from the previous encounter was there. She had a name tag this time, and it read Samantha, so that's another clue, I guess. She seemed a little shocked to see me initially, but my order was already boxed up on the counter. She paused for a moment, and then went to the pastry case and put a lemon bar in a small box, and put it on top of my pastry box. Then she kind of nervously stuttered, Lemon bars are your favorite, right? 
they are, but how did she know? I nodded unconsciously, but was largely shocked the whole time and clearly unsure how to respond. After handing me the bag with the boxes, Samantha seemed a lot less fearful, but I was at a loss for words. I silently paid, left a generous tip, the expected 20% plus enough to cover the cost of the lemon bar and then some on top of that, and headed home. Clearly Samantha knows me from somewhere, but I genuinely have no idea where that would be. If she knew the detail about the lemon bars, it's not simply a matter of recognizing me from my picture, but I have no idea how this person knows me. On an unrelated note, the coffee shop showcases local artists and there is a series of floral watercolor paintings that I think would look nice in the upstairs hallway near the bedrooms. They are listed for sale at a reasonable price. Call the coffee shop this afternoon and ask about making an offer. Audio Diary of Dr. Anna Georgina Plume, June 13th, 12 p.m., recorded at the kitchen table. I am waiting for the laundry to finish. I am reheating leftovers from last night's dinner for lunch and I'm reviewing wallpaper patterns and paint samples for my bedroom. As I noted a couple days ago, I've figured out the dining room and the formal living room, but my bedroom remains to be seen. I have a decent amount of light from the west windows, which means I tend to get the most light later in the day, but overall the windows do span the wall, so it's pretty light in there during daylight hours. I've pulled a number of paint colors, let's see, beige, grayish, <sighs> mom went to the store with me and she must have slipped these in here, like I'm going to see them and be persuaded to forego color altogether. It also looks like she managed to sneak in about 15 different variations of off-white. Here we are. A rich mustard. Bright amethyst. Hmm. Here's a darker slate gray that I think would pair well with the wallpaper I found earlier. Yes, here it is. It's the same color background with a large peony pattern. The flowers are white, soft pink, and burgundy. This is a very promising option, but I think the mustard might go well with black and white houndstooth pattern. I'll tape both of them up to see which one I like best. Here's a light blue that I think might go well in one of the guest rooms. Those rooms have eastern windows, so they get a lot of morning light, and I want to keep the rooms bright and airy. 
maybe this pale purple color, or what's it called? Uh, Lilac Mist. That would pair well with this Wisteria wallpaper pattern I found. I think I'll put those two in Classroom 2A, and then maybe Morning Jade and this Fern Leaf pattern in Classroom 2B, where Billy is staying. Now that that's settled, what's next? Lavinia did email me an article she published recently. Or I could update my online paperwork with new addresses and sort the kitchen. Audio Diary of Dr. Anna Georgina Plume, June 13th, 12.30 p.m., recorded in the basement. The crash was down here in the basement. A box appears to have fallen out of an old cabinet in the back corner of the basement. The cabinet is falling apart and the box fell through the bottom, which has come loose. It really is a mess down here. While there were an assortment of items left in the school, there's everything imaginable in this basement. We've got the tables and the toy kitchen from the kindergarten room and about 15 desks. There appear to be some old set pieces from student plays and a spinet piano in the other back corner opposite the cabinets. There are also some file cabinets here, which I should probably look into because if there are real records from the school, those should be returned. There's also a cedar chest, like the note that I found in the library the other day said, so I should probably look into that later. I can see the box that fell out of the cabinet, but I need to get across the room to get to it. Ow! That was my shin. I'm going to stop recording and retrieve the box. I will report back on its contents later, though probably not today because I still have a lot to do before Billy gets here. Audio Diary of Dr. Anna Georgina Plume, June 13th, 6.30 p.m. I'm in the dining room setting out candles on the table in case we lose power. I'll set a lighter next to them in case we need it. The storm started suddenly. Billy has gone upstairs to check the windows because I tend to leave them open during the day and forget about them. Tonight for dinner, I've made linguine with rosa sauce, spinach and mushroom salad with a mango reduction, garlic bread, store-bought, and I've made mince pie using Nana's recipe minus the beef tallow. Now that dinner is on the table, I need to bring the dogs downstairs. This building is solid, but it must be scary for them upstairs. Not my smartest move, getting in the elevator in the storm, I guess. Still, it would do no one any good to try to wrangle the dogs on the stairs in the middle of this. Billy, if you're up here, I'm taking the dogs downstairs. Let's all go downstairs. 
You've got your beds in the living room. You'll be very cozy there. It will be okay. There you go, my good boys. There you go. Back in the dining room now, it is candle lit. The lights are off. Did I turn them off when leaving? My lamp in the hallway is on though, so we still have power. A text message from my mother has just flashed across my phone screen. What does it say? Huh. Apparently they've lost power? Hey, I shut the windows. I am pleased to report that Billy has returned safely. You ready? We're sitting down to dinner and I'm going to end the recording. Wait. Here's a message from emergency services. Apparently the entire town is without electricity. The lamp is still on though. Audio diary of Dr. Anna Georgina Plume, June 13th, 9.07 p.m. Recorded in my home office, formerly classroom 1A. The storm has calmed down. My mother has texted me to alert me that their power has returned. But it is still very weird that the school never lost power. Note to self. Look into reasons why this may be. Contact the electric company if necessary. Again. Billy decided to play the piano for a bit, and I'm in my office because I realized I never opened the mail today. A letter arrived for me earlier from, judging by the return address, Melinda Basil. It is in a larger-than-average manila envelope, and Ms. Basil's handwriting on the label is, in a word, spidery. I'm opening the letter now. Dear Dr. Plume, I was filing some papers earlier this week, and I came across some floor plans from the Ellis East building. They are dated 1985 and appear to be drawn up in the middle of some big renovation project. I figured they would be of interest to you, so I have enclosed copies with this letter for your perusal. Sincerely, Melinda Basil, Local History Archivist, Hayden's Landing County Library. And, as Ms. Basil promised, there are copies of the architectural plans, which appear to have been drawn up as part of an effort to bring the building up to modern codes. It's fairly standard plan. Wait a second. Note to self. Measure both the inner and outer dimensions of the library and classroom 3B. Something about this plan isn't entirely adding up.
What? Billy, is that you? What time is it? It's 3 a.m.? I'll be out in a minute. Why is this recording? Audio Diary of Dr. Anna Georgina Clue, June 14th, 4.17 a.m. About an hour ago, Billy woke me up. He had a very vivid dream and he wanted to tell me about it. I guess he sometimes has lucid dreams. He said that at first he thought he couldn't sleep, so he decided to walk over to the music room and play the piano until he felt tired. He played for a while, and then the light in the room shifted very suddenly. In a way, it wouldn't change that late at night. This sort of thing is a cue he recognizes as a sign he is dreaming. And from that point, he is able to choose what to do, consciously aware that he is dreaming. He decided to explore the school in the dream, mostly interested to see if it would be the same as it was in real life. He does this with his dreams because he wants to see if he's able to accurately recreate the details of real places in his dreams, to enhance his observational skills for his architectural practice. The first thing he did was to try to open the door between the library and the music room, but it was locked, so he left via the hallway and went through to the library through its front door. In the dream library, the books had fallen off the shelves into large piles on the floor. He noticed that the windows were open and there was wind blowing through the windows into the room and the sky looked like it was about to storm. The books were blowing around in all directions and he was almost hit in the face by one that blew at him. So he decided to go elsewhere in the school, heading towards the front of the building, back to the bedrooms. When he got there, he noticed that the front stairs had another staircase leading up to a third floor, which does not exist in the waking world. Giving him an exploration opportunity, he could not pass up. He climbed the stairs and found the third floor of the building exactly like the one from my dream, even though I never told him about that dream. It had heavy maroon wallpaper, ferns, he entered the room that would be directly above my bedroom and saw two women sitting together at a desk. One appeared to be in her 30s and had bright red hair and green eyes, and the other looked to be in her 40s and had black hair and blue eyes. They were dressed in old clothing. He could not say when exactly, though based on his descriptions, I suspect late 19th or early 20th century. The red-headed woman was dressed all in black, and her companion was dressed in a shimmery blue with matching sapphire necklace and jewels in her hair. He said that both women seemed academic in nature, though he could not articulate further details about what that meant. The desk had piles of books, most notably at the top of a prominent pile, an emerald green leather round book that he had seen in the library as well. Based on his description, I would say the book was folio-sized. The windows of the room were lined with even more plants, 
an assortment of ferns and other plants he did not recognize on sight. Each plant appeared to be flourishing in the light that hit the room from the wall of windows on the western side of the building. He noted at this point it was neither night nor stormy. The room had a fireplace, but outside the trees were flowering, as if it were spring. And there was no fire. Along the mantel there were several paintings, a landscape, Based on his description, I would say impressionistic. A still life of flowers, which he described as a student painting, and a very realistic portrait of a man and a woman, the latter looking similar to the dark-haired woman, though older. Billy was about to speak to them when static crackled over the building's PA system in his room, in real life, waking him up. When he awoke, he felt strangely compelled to tell me about what happened immediately. I had not told him about the third floor or my dreams on the matter before this. I didn't think it was significant beyond my own interests. It's very late, and I'm starting to get tired again, but I need to prioritize any documentation on the third floor of the building. This cannot be pure coincidence. Something is happening here, and I need to get to the bottom of it. Ellis East Elementary School Walkthrough, May 18th. I peel back the unstapled corner to examine the cork bulletin board. From what I can see, a few children have written their names over the years. Danny, Jim, Maria, Algernon. The first one looks like old copperplate handwriting. The second is written in neat, precise printing. The third with floral, curly cursive written in a sparkly purple gel pen with hearts and butterflies drawn around it. The last name is written in red pen and is more heavy than the others. As if carved into the corkboard, scrawled across much larger territory than the other names. On the north wall, the world map has been pulled down with a star sticker marking our approximate location in Ohio and another on Aberdeen, Scotland. There is a small table under the wall of windows with a stack of math books on it. They appear to range from first grade math to algebra two. On the blackboard, there is a circle with an arrow bisecting it, pointing downward. I leave the room and cross the hall to classroom 1C. Lavender Evening Fog is a fiction podcast written by Victoria Dickman Burnett, directed by Ben Baird, and produced, mixed, and edited by Nick Federenko. Executive producers are Ben Baird and Victoria Dickman Burnett, and the voice of Anna Georgina Plume is Victoria Dickman Burnett. 
Prince and Bear are the voice of the dogs and are also good boys. The Lavender Evening Fog logo was designed by Allison Dickman. Lavender Evening Fog would like to thank Kay, who has been a loyal listener from the very beginning. This episode is brought to you by the patterns you see on the wall when you are half asleep. This episode pairs well with an infusion of violet and rose petals.